about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. All right, take your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 4. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for your anointing in this place. Father, continue to change our minds to line up with your thoughts and your ways. We thank you for the kingdom. We thank you for righteousness. And we thank you that you continually add all things unto us. We give you the praise for what you're going to do tonight in my life and everybody's life here. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, yeah. amen. Okay, Luke chapter 4 tonight. Luke chapter 4, look at verse 43. And Jesus said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. Some people want to know why Jesus came. Well, Jesus just told everybody. What did Jesus preach? Why was he sent? He must preach what? The kingdom of God, because that's why he was sent. Now, everybody in the world, even pagans and even people who don't claim to be religious or anything else, basically know that Jesus Christ was here. They know he died, but they also know he was raised from the dead. The problem is, even in the church, is people don't know why he came, why he suffered and died, and what that means to them. Basically, you have to understand that Jesus came basically with a primary message, and that message was the kingdom of God. Basically, he always talked about his home country, which was heaven. He talked about the kingdom all the time, and he used that term over 162 times in the New Testament, the kingdom of God is there in print. Jesus preached about the kingdom far more than many other words, like people would think born again. You know, as much as we preach born again, you think it'd be all over the Bible. It's not. Preach eternal life, forgiveness, even love, and even faith and those things. Nothing compares to the amount of time that Jesus preached on the kingdom of God. So Jesus' whole purpose in coming to the earth was to reintroduce the kingdom of heaven to a world that had completely lost track of the truth about the kingdom of God. Even Jesus' closest followers in the earth, who we call now Christians, have lost the message. We have produced something called a religion, which is Christianity, that is really nowhere in the Bible. Even Christian is only mentioned twice in the Bible. One time it was mentioned derogatory, and one time it was mentioned as people trying to be Christ-like. He roamed the countryside teaching anyone who would listen what the kingdom of God was like and demonstrated its power throughout his lifetime. All right, go to Matthew chapter 4. All right, Matthew chapter 4, look at verse 17. It says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. A big part of Jesus' message was not only the kingdom of heaven, but it was repentance. Repentance here means to change the way that you think to line up with the way that God thinks, to change the way you act with the way that God acts. The word at hand means the kingdom of God is here right now. So here we see Jesus ushering in, preaching about the kingdom of God. He didn't come to bring more laws, thank God. He didn't come to bring more rituals, thank God. He came to bring a spiritual kingdom into this earth realm. He wanted to become the kingdom of God to become natural to people, even though it's supernatural to be a natural way of living here on the earth realm. Some people basically objected to the kingdom message so much that they put Jesus to death. So I see it as a pretty dangerous thing to preach, probably, if they're going to kill you for preaching it. Where they put Jesus to death, but they didn't know that that was part of the plan to re-enter the kingdom of God into the earth realm. They had no idea. As a matter of fact, it says if Satan would have known, 
He would have never crucified the Lord of glory, but he messed up. He killed the king and killed Jesus, which basically came, and now he gave the church and our lives basically to where we can now reestablish the kingdom of heaven as an outpost right here in the earth realm. We can reclaim the territory of earth for heaven, and basically we can now deliver mankind from this present evil world. In Galatians it says that Jesus came to deliver it from this present evil world. Now that doesn't mean to kill you and take you out of here. It means this present world system, the way it does things, the way it thinks, the way it operates. We need to be delivered from that because before we came into the kingdom of God we thought in worldly fashion and worldly way. So Jesus comes along and says you're going to have to change your whole way of thinking now to line up with the kingdom of heaven. Alright, go to Genesis chapter 1. been preaching this kingdom now for a long time and talking about righteousness and all things added and there's people in this body right now who are having all things added. It's exciting to hear the reports of people getting jobs and, and, and raises and different things that are happening, praise God, because that's what happens when you start seeking the kingdom first and operating in righteousness in your own life. Things are going to start happening in your life and they're all good because God doesn't add bad things to you. He adds all good things to you, praise God. All right, Genesis chapter 1, look at verse 26. It says, And God said, Let us make this man in our image and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. This was the original very beginning. God created a man and put him in the Garden of Eden, which was supposed to be just like heaven. It was supposed to operate like heaven. It was supposed to be like heaven. Then he gave mankind dominion. What was that dominion for? To enforce the kingdom in the earth realm. Here he says, let them have dominion. Let them have kingdom. Let them have reign. Let them have sovereignty. Having dominion means you have authority over or you're ruling over or you're managing. So here it tells you what man is going to be managing. Man is going to manage the earth. We are in charge of the earth realm. We are in charge of making sure the earth is just like heaven and enforcing heaven's rights here on the earth. Human beings were created to manage the rest of creation. And everybody, everybody, doesn't matter who you are, don't matter if, if you're homeless, it doesn't matter if you have a lot of money or whatever, everybody in their heart of hearts want to be able to have the ability to control their circumstances and situations. Whatever comes into your life, you want to have the ability to do that. Now we've substituted a different God, basically money, because everybody thinks the more money you get, the more control you've got over your life. Well, that's true. You may be able to control what kind of house you live in or what kind of car you drive. But when it comes to the real being who you are, your peace and your joy and your power and your fulfillment, that has nothing to do with money whatsoever. So basically, we've tried with money and everything else. But God says here, the kingdom of God is what fulfill you. Those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. So basically, what's he talking about? He's talking about not about worldly things, not about earthly things. He's talking about bringing a spiritual kingdom into this earth realm, into the lives of other people. And he gave us the dominion to do it when he said, let them. So the king assigned dominion to the people which he had created. What they were supposed to do is have dominion over this earth realm. Our assignment is here on the earth. People keep thinking when they die and go to heaven, that, that'll be great. But how many of you know you're not 
created to control heaven. You're certainly not going to tell God what to do, and you're not going to have dominion up there. So the dominion you have is for down here. It's for right now in your life, not when you go to church for 20 years, not for when you get close to death, but as soon as you came into the kingdom of God, this dominion was given to you, and you now have the authority to rule circumstances and situations in your life. All right, go to Genesis chapter 2. Look at verse 15. Here was the contract between God and the first man. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded of the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou may freely eat. Hallelujah. Of every tree you may eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. In that day thou eatest, thou shalt surely do what? die. So here was Adam and Eve. They were created as man. They had dominion on the earth. He gave them ability to do anything they wanted except to eat off one tree. How many know they didn't do very well? No, they made a mistake. A lot of people call this the fall, and then people think the fall is we fell from heaven, but we were never in heaven to fall from heaven. So it's not really the fall. Basically, at that time, man lost his dominion. He lost his position. He lost someone by the name of the Holy Ghost, and he lost the kingdom of God. He said, in that day, you shall surely die. Say, die. Now, we think of die as in the natural realm, we physically die, and how many of you know we do? But it was also talking about spiritual death. Spiritual death is simply separation from God. That's what it is, to be separated from God. So basically, at that time, man was separated from God. He lost the spirit of God. He attained a new nature, which was a demonic nature on the inside of him. So he was completely cut off from God the day that he failed. All right, go to Genesis chapter 3. Look at verse 17. Look how things changed. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it thou hast taken for dust thou art, and to dust thou shalt what? Return. So we can see that something happened here. Basically at that time, everything changed at that time. All Adam and Eve really had to do was walk around the garden, make sure everything was fine, and enjoy their peace and their freedom and everything else. But when they sinned, basically, it put us in a place of works and striving to stay alive. And every single one of us that was born was taught, you've got to fend for yourself. You've got to do your best. It's man, 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 man eat man, dog eat dog. You've got to fuss. You've got to fight. You've got to work 20 hours a day. You've got to do all these things. What is that? That is from the curse basically. That's what it was talking about here. We, we think of ourselves, all we're here to do basically is find a wife, get married, pop out a couple kids, work 10 hours a day, make enough money to supply my family, and then I'm going to retire, and I'm going to lay around for 20 years, and I'm going to croak, and that is going to be the end of it. But that's not what it's all about. It's about seeking the kingdom of God. And as you seek the kingdom of God, all these things, like thorns and thistles, will no longer bother your lifestyle because now you're living in the kingdom of God ability rather than in the other ability. And it's that switch that makes the difference in your life. If you're struggling in any area of your life, if you just switch over to the kingdom of God and seek that first... And and walk in a right standing with God, you're going to find out that your marriage is going to line up, your finances are going to line up, your job's going to line up, all these things will line up, but you have to put first things first. Say first things first. First things first. I mean, it's a priority. That's why Jesus said, seek ye first, first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be 
added unto them. So here we can see Adam and Eve basically declared independence from the government of heaven, from the kingdom of heaven, and they decided to do things their own way. Hallelujah. How I many you know doing it their own way didn't work out very good? Right off the bat, we had Cain and Abel. What happened? One killed the other one. Everything started to change. Everything started to adjust. You can even plan a, I mean, I wish, I wish we had thorns and thistles right now because I got tired pulling weeds, I'll be honest with you. But all that came in because of the curse, didn't it? Because of what they did. All right, go to Isaiah chapter 9. People say, why is the world so bad? Let me tell you, Adam and Eve. That's why. They allowed the curse to come in. Scripture will be read a million times this time of year, but nobody will understand what it says anyway. So Isaiah chapter 9, it's uh, talking about Jesus. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will produce it. So here we see the child Jesus prophesied to come. Notice he didn't say he was going to bring Christianity. He was going to bring religion. He was going to bring another church. It says he was going to bring a government upon his shoulders. So he was bringing a government into this earth realm. He was bringing a government back so that man once again can be restored to the dominion which we lost through Adam and Eve. And basically through his life, death, and resurrection, he made it possible now for you once again to have a relationship with God. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad? I mean, so many people get born again and still see God as far off and unattainable. Once you get in the kingdom of God and born again, God's right there, man. He's your buddy. You can talk to him anytime. He's always present. He's always with you. He's always in you. So most people, including Christians, do not ever understand God's plan of what's really going on now. They know next to nothing about becoming citizens of an actual spiritual kingdom and an actual spiritual country that, they talk, that Jesus talks so much about. So few know about resuming their role as God's representation in this place called earth. They think they're born again. They just go to church. They just be good little boys and good little girls. And one day they're going to die and hope that they did enough to get to heaven. But how many know you really need to fulfill your purpose if you're going to be have happy down here? There is no happy outside your purpose. There is no joy outside your purpose. There's worldly joy. You know, when you get that new car and you're all excited for a week and then you get the payment book and then you're not so excited after that. So it sort of goes up and down. But the kingdom of God is different. It's a different kind of joy. All right, go to Matthew chapter 24. Everybody says, I will want to be like Jesus. Well, then you're going to have to preach the kingdom of God. People say, well, I want to follow Jesus. Then you're going to have to follow the kingdom of God and preach the kingdom of God because that's what he did when he was here. All right, Matthew chapter 24. Is the chapter where basically they came to Jesus and said, when's the end going to come? What are the signs? Blah, blah, blah. In verse 14, Jesus says, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Now, somebody thinks that Jesus didn't even answer that question when he went through here, but he did. He answered it right there. They said, when is the end coming? When's it going to happen? Not, not when Y2K came, not when somebody gets in a war, not when things get bad, not when another COVID virus comes out. Notice, when this gospel, say this gospel, 
Notice, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached into all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then, say then. then. So then the end shall come. So no matter what's happening in your scene here in the outside realm, unless the gospel is getting, and we've got the ability to do it now because we've got internet, we've got Facebook, we've got all these things, it can go into places that you've never seen before. We are getting clicks on from people from countries I never even heard of. I don't even know if they're countries, for God's sakes. But they're listening to us online. How many know that's getting the kingdom into another place? And Facebook is a way to do it. How many know when you share something, it goes out to all your friends and all your, that's the way that you can shoot the kingdom of God. And let me tell you, it doesn't cost very much. You know, and I was checking about going to Africa for the, for the conference to go there, the pastor's conference they're having over there. I mean, it's going to cost you two grand just to fly there. It's 28 hours on a plane. And then you're going to go live in, in Africa someplace in a hotel that I'm sure is not quite like the hotels I'm really used to because my wife's a travel agent and we do it upscale a little bit. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Trust me, she would never stay in one of those hotels. So we're going to be something like that. Praise God. So, I mean, but through internet, it could cost you anything, man. You just shoot it out there and somebody gets touched and somebody gets saved and somebody gets blessed. Glory to God. So notice the end time when this gospel, so how many know it's important for us to get the kingdom out there if we want to see the end come? And people will say, what's God waiting on? He's waiting on us. We are the end then. See, if we don't then do it, then, then it ain't going to come, praise God. So that's what we're called to do. So Jesus continually, what did he talk about? The kingdom of God is like. This is what the kingdom of God, what's the kingdom of God like? This is what the kingdom of God's like. All right, just go to Matthew chapter 4. We'll run through a couple of these quick. All right, Matthew chapter 4, look at verse 23, talking about Jesus. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness, all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people who were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those that were possessed with devils, and those that were lunatics, and those that had the palsy. And he did what? He healed them. All right, go up to chapter 5. Look at verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Chapter 6. Look at verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You can go through Matthew, one scripture after another scripture. What was Jesus doing before he went to the cross? Preaching about the gospel of the kingdom. All right, go to Acts chapter 1. Telling you right now, revival's never really going to hit any place without kingdom preaching and kingdom demonstration. It's just not going to work. All right, so Jesus suffers, dies, goes to the cross. He's raised from the dead in Acts chapter 1. Look at verse 1. The former trestries have I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus both began to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So here Jesus suffered, died, he's been raised from the dead. He never stopped talking about the kingdom before he died or after. Ever since he heard about God, Father speaking, let us make man and let him have dominion. That's God's plan, and God's plan will never change. Thank God he don't change his plan every time we mess up because he'd be doing a lot of changing, wouldn't he? 
So we don't want that. He made that plan and he's bringing mankind back into that area to where they can manage the earth and operate on the power of God and the dominion of God. All right, look at Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verse 1, then Jesus called his 12 disciples together and he gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases and he sent them out to preach about faith, forgiveness, no, the kingdom of God and to do what? Heal the sick. Go to Luke chapter 10. Now he comes to the 72 in verse 8. And into whatever city you go, and they receive you, eat such things as they set before you. Heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. Hallelujah. How many think Jesus had a one-track mind? Yeah. yeah, he had a God-track mind. He had a Word of God-track mind. You study the life of Paul, what did he preach? Kingdom of God. Some places for three or four years he preached it. Look at Matthew chapter 7. All right, Matthew chapter 7, remember everything Jesus talked about was what? Kingdom of God. So here he's going to talk about the kingdom of God. Verse 13, he says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there's many that will go in there. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads unto life, and few there be that find it. So he's talking about the kingdom of God. He said, what's the key to life? What's the key to your life? The secret of a full, fulfilled life is to understand the kingdom of God and apply it to your life. The kingdom of God is the narrow way. Notice what he says, few. Say few. I want to be one of the few, the proud. Not a marine, praise God, but a kingdom citizen. Glory to God. Yeah, but notice many will lead to destruction. Why? Because many are not going to seek first the kingdom of God. They're going to seek their own selfishness, their own way, money, all these other things that are out here, and they always lead to destruction. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added. Well, if you seek something else and get it, it will be subtracted. You'll lose it. You'll say, I don't know why I lost that. I can tell you. Just come to me. I'll tell you why you lost the thing. Because you're seeking the wrong thing. Religion has already told me and many other people to postpone the kingdom until the future. In the by and by when you die, you'll be able to enter into the citizenship and the kingdom of God. How many know that's not true? The kingdom of God is here right now. So today, you can live in the kingdom life. Today, you are a citizen. Today, you can experience full rights in the kingdom of God. All right, go to Matthew chapter 13. I know we're moving fast, but this is four weeks. Okay, once again, Jesus is teaching in Matthew 13, verse 44, about the kingdom of God. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in the field, the which when a man has found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he has found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. So he's giving you an example of the kingdom of God. It is like a good pearl, a guy hunting pearls. It is a guy ended up with a treasure. It is the one thing. And notice what both of them did when they found it. They sold 
everything that they had. Now this means you're going to have to sell some of your old belief systems, some of your old traditions that you've had for years, some of the old sayings you said that aren't even biblical, but people have thought they've been biblical for years. You know, a guy came to my door, when was it, today or yesterday, and wanted to pressure clean my driveway, and he must have saw our little sign on the door that says we don't need an alarm here because Jesus Christ is Lord of this house or whatever. When everybody sees that, they become spiritual even if they're not. I mean, you know, if they, if they want to sell you something, they, and he came up to me and said, oh yeah, well, no problem, Pastor. You know, maybe some other time because God moves in mysterious ways. I thought, here we go, praise God. Let me get my pressure cleaner out. I'll show you what I got. You know, just because he saw the thing, he thought he'd get religious. He didn't know that I wasn't going to go for that anyway. Praise God. It make a difference. So we got belief systems. For years in my life, my pearl was Catholicism. That was my pearl. That was my life. Don't talk bad about a Catholic. Do you go to church? No, but don't talk bad about it. Do you like it? No, I don't really like going there, but don't talk bad about it because that's my pearl. Islam is a pearl. All these other religions are pearls that everybody wants to have and everybody holds on real tight and everybody needs them and everybody. Once you find the kingdom of God, all your pearls will go by the wayside. Notice it says you want to find not goodly pearls. You might have had them. Now you need one goodly pearl. And that pearl is the kingdom of God. So when you find the kingdom of God, you're going to find out it's going to change a lot of things in your life. And the best part about it is the Bible says it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And man, I, wanna, I want everything from the kingdom to please him, but I want to be pleased by getting everything too. So that's sort of getting together there. So all your needs will be supplied. You get many things just by entering the kingdom of God. All right, go to Galatians chapter 4. All right, Galatians chapter 4, look at verse 7. Oh, we've got to go back to verse 4. We've got to read this whole thing. Look at verse 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because we are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant or a slave, but you are now a son, and if a son, then you are a heir of God through Christ Jesus. So when I entered into the kingdom of God, what's one of the benefits I got? I became an heir of the kingdom. Everything in the kingdom now belongs to me because I'm an heir of the kingdom. The Bible says that Jesus has inherited all things, and we are co no, not co-heirs. What is it? No, no, not co-heirs. What is it? Joint heirs. Not co, because co splits it up. We don't have to split nothing up. We're joint heirs with him. So everything that Jesus has, we've also gotten. It belongs to us. The only thing we got to do is put it into use in our life and allow it to work in our life. So many times we're praying to get things that we're already heirs of. Like my kids don't have to pray to get my inheritance when I die. How many know when I die, they're going to get my inheritance? For them to stay there and pray night and day to get it, it doesn't matter because it's going to belong to them someday. If I die, my wife gets it. It's automatic. And it's the same way in the kingdom of God. Once you enter the kingdom of God, peace belongs to you. Joy belongs to you. Power belongs to you. Protection belongs to you. All these things came with the kingdom of God because you are a son of God and you are an heir, basically, to everything the kingdom has. All right, go to Proverbs chapter 29.
one of the problems I had when I started studying the kingdom of God and the Lord the Spirit started talking to me about it was that uh, kingdom basically to me was an ugly word because we live in a world where kingdom is an ugly word. All kingdoms turn into dictatorships. All kingdoms, you see people standing in food lines because the king of that country is, won't give them anything and, and they're in poverty and they're all these places. And So when you talk about kingdom from that perspective, it's not good. But when you look at it from kingdom from God's perspective, it's good. So you've got to change your entire perspective at all. Look at Proverbs 29. Look at verse 2. It says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked bear the rule, the people do what? mourn. So the thought of a kingdom government to me, I wasn't too excited about it just for the fact that I didn't want a kingdom because none of them are working out. Every kingdom you see in the earth realm came out of the earth realm, which means it came out of corruption and it came out of the kingdom of darkness. But the kingdom of heaven came out of light. It's completely different. So if you're in a country where the king is corrupt, your, your whole society is going to be corrupt. If you're under a king who's righteous and a good ruler, then everybody's going to rejoice because everything's good. So basically what your country pertains to and operates in is, is the king a good king or is the king a bad king? And you can see what happens to those who are corrupt. A good king basically would be one who fears God, one who listens to God, one who follows the laws of God. How many know there's not too many, if any, on the earth right now? And even the United States was started as one nation under God. Well, I don't know where under God went. Now it's just one nation. It's all messed up. Why? Because it separated itself from that. So basically here it tells you what will happen when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. When the wicked man rules, the people do what? They mourn. So unrighteous kings oppress their people. They, they authority, they, they manipulate, they hold back, they steal from, they bound to. So the question is, who is in authority of that kingdom will dictate what kind of kingdom that is that you're living in. That's why I don't want to live in the earthly kingdom. I want to live in the heavenly kingdom. I want to obey the heavenly kingdom, not the earthly kingdom. I want to trust the heavenly kingdom, not the earthly kingdom. Because the earthly kingdom is all messed up. It's completely corrupt. So we want to partake of the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God basically then is, how many know the kingdom of God has a good ruler? A righteous ruler. Somebody who actually cares for you. Matter of fact, Jesus wanted us to do better than even he did. He said, the works that I do, shall you do an even greater works, praise God. Why? He wanted the people to be rejoicing because it's a good kingdom. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Yep, when the people are in authority and the king, all his citizens receive the benefits from that kingdom, and they benefit from that kingdom. So the entire kingdom, the people are happy. And, and how many know if you got a good government, you'd be happy to serve them? Yes. But if they're ripping you off, you ain't very happy to do anything for them. That's all right. All right, go to Acts chapter 9. All right, Acts chapter 9, look at verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest. He desired of him letters in Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any of his this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined around him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now here basically we're talking about, once again, a good government. 
we're talking about a king who wants to take care of his people. At that time, there were Christians, people born into the kingdom of God. They were preaching the message. They were spreading it. Here comes Saul all along. He was not a member of that. He decided to go after these people. He decided to put them in jail. He never in his mind at all dreamed that the king of the nation that they belonged to was going to intervene in this situation. And notice, notice how serious he takes it. Notice, Saul, Saul, not why do you persecute my people. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute? In other words, you go after my people, you're going after me. And how many know Saul got a lesson here? Got knocked down, praise God. Why? Because God stepped in to protect his people at this time because he's a good king. How many of you know if somebody was coming against you in the United States? Biden could care less. Come on, the government could care less. I mean, they're, they're blowing up buildings. They're staring people's houses. They don't care. But the king that we got cares. He cares about everything you own. He cares about everything you got. And he says, if you're going to persecute them, then you're going to persecute me at the same time, and you're going to have a problem. All right, go to Mark chapter 9. It's all right. I'll just say Latasha preached tonight. Open your Bible. All right, look at Mark chapter 9, verse 42. Jesus says, And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it's going to be better for him that a millstone were hanged around his neck and he were cast into the sea. Now, some people say, well, Jesus is loving. Yeah, well, Jesus just made a threat. He said, you're going to come against my people. It's better for you to commit suicide before I get a chance to get there and take care of you. And this is in the Old Testament even. The Old Testament said, touch not my anointed. What was God saying? Don't, don't mess with that one there. and Don't mess with this one. Don't mess with my people. I'll tell you what, you'll end up in trouble. So he says, if you're going to mess with my people, you might as well just throw a millstone around your neck and drown yourself because I'm on the way to get you because I protect my people because I'm a righteous king. All right, go to Second Chronicles chapter 16. All right, Second Chronicles, did you find it? If you're looking in the New Testament, you're never going to get it. All right, look at verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore from hence faith thou shalt have wars. So here God says, uh, if you've got a heart that's right before God, he is going to watch over you no matter what's going on in your life, and he is going to take care of you. For the Bible says in Psalms, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in his ways. What's he doing? He's saying, hey, if, if you're seeking a kingdom and you're in righteousness, I got your back. I got you covered. I'll take care of you. I'll protect you. I will guard you. I will do these things. Now notice, he'll even do that even if the government you're living under here in the world comes against you. How I many you know that Daniel had a problem? They made a law that he wasn't allowed to pray, but Daniel prayed anyway. So the local government, what did they do? They took him. They bound him. They took him. They were going to throw him in jail in the lion's den. They took him there. They threw him in the lion's den. But God stepped in, shut the lion's mouth, basically. The guards who threw him in, the evil people got thrown in and God ate up. Why is that? Because the kingdom of God is a lot bigger than this earthly kingdom. We see it with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
The local government came against them. They were supposed to be burned up, turned it up seven times hotter. They went in there, and the Bible says they came out not even smelling like smoke. What is that? That's a protection that God offers us basically here in the earth realm. Paul was in prison one time. He got thrown in there in the deep, dirty back part and was locked up, and all at once an earthquake happened. What did it do? It shook everything off. The chains came off. Out the door they came. What was that? Protection from God. People who walk in the righteousness of God have protection. And this, this is so good. I'm telling you, I was thinking about this the other day. Here's Paul before he got saved, and he's getting letters, and he's getting all this stuff, and he's going to go get these Christians. He's going to do it. God steps in says, hey, you persecute them, you persecute me. He stops him. He knocks him out and brings him back as a Christian. But notice, the Christians he was after did not even know that they were in trouble. That means there's many times in your life. See, when you were in trouble, but God stepped in, you don't even know about it. Somebody's out to get you, and you didn't even know about it. Why? Because God stepped in and broke it before they even got to you. He was after your kid. Didn't make any difference. God stepped in and took care of it. I think when we get to heaven, we're going to learn a lot. We're going to find out a lot of times when there was opportunities for us to be hurt or us to be damaged and God just stepped in and said, hey, you want to mess with them? You're messing with me. You're going to have a big problem, basically. So basically, sometimes God does things we don't even know about. Hallelujah. And I'm just glad he keeps doing it. Praise God. All right, go to Philippians chapter 4. Okay, so that was 2 Chronicles 16.9. Praise God, we got a good king. In this, in this one, we got a good king. You can't judge it by the government. You know, people judge them, their God as their father by their human father. How many of you know you can't do that? How many of you know you can't judge the kingdom of God government like this government? You can't do that. Two different things. All right, Philippians chapter 4. Look at verse 19. But my God and king and ruler shall supply all of my need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. So here's a good king once again. He is personally responsible for your welfare to take care of you, not in the case of democracy. No politician cares, basically, about your well-being, about your goodness, about your badness, how you're doing. doesn't make any difference. If you can't pay your light bill, I guarantee you the government's going to go to sleep tonight in their nice big bed and not care less whether you've got electricity or whether you've got food or not. But this king is different. This king is responsible for your welfare. Therefore, if you're not getting what you need to take care of yourself, it's a bad reflection on him because he's a good king. It's no reflection on this government. Nobody cares anyway. But God says, I'm going to take care of you. I must meet all your needs according to your, my riches and glory because I don't want my name tarnished where people are saying, I won't supply for them. So you seek first the kingdom, the righteousness. I will protect you. I will supply all your needs according to your riches in glory. All right, go to Matthew chapter 6. My favorite thing in the old days when finances would come up and it just didn't look too good, I'd just say, God, you got a problem. You got a problem, Lord. Not mine. All right, Matthew chapter 6, look at verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, Jesus says, Take no thought for your life what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they don't sow, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them, and are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto a stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Whither all shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles or the pagans seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now we all heard this scripture a lot of times. This is Jesus talking about the teaching of not worrying. Jesus was insistent that nobody in his kingdom should be worrying about anything. Why is that? Because if you're worried about something, you're basically worried about him being a good daddy and a good father. One who can supply or even one who wants to supply. There's no reason to worry. And, and the reason why Jesus writes things in here is to make us aware we're going to have an opportunity to do those things. Are you following me? If you're never going to have an opportunity to worry, we could just rip that out. He'd have never put that in. But he knew everybody in the world is going to have a good opportunity to do some worrying. So that's why he put it in there. People are surprised. I just can't believe I can get into a worry situation. He told you it was coming. He told you what to do about it. He told you not to worry. He told you not to worry about these things. So basically worry sends a message that you don't really believe that God can supply and do what he said, which is all your needs. Kingdom citizens have no need to worry whatsoever. The king considers your welfare, your welfare his responsibility. The king has a personal interest in your mortgage payment. He is concerned for every bill that you have. And probably right now up there, he's already figuring out how to meet your next bill that's on the way. Hallelujah. Many times I find out that uh, I arrive someplace and I think he's already been there. Did you ever do that? Something gets granted. You can't pay a bill or something. And all at once the money just shows up. And he's, he was here. He was already potting me. He beat me here. He didn't wait. Why didn't he tell me? Why didn't he tell me he was doing something? Because we walk by faith and not by sight. So once you walk into it and people say, how did you get there? I don't know. I just walked into it. Yeah, you did, but he pre-did it for you. Are you following me? And almost you walked into the situation. We were going to own property. I told her for years, we're going to own property. Three bedroom, two bedroom house on a corner line. We're going to put a pool in the back and we're going to own property someday. We didn't have enough money to buy our property, much less any other property. But when seeking God, righteous, this lines up, that lights up, that lights up. The whole world falls apart one year and nobody can afford anything. Well, that's a good year to buy things, basically. While everybody's falling apart, you're doing better, whatever. And all at once, you're walking in it. All at once, you've got a building, you're renting. You're saying, my God, how did this happen? I don't know how it happened. It just happened. I just walked right into it. What is it? God's got things figured out. Trust him. He knows what he's doing. How many of you know that, that, that Aaron and Brandy are figuring things out for Talon already? Talon don't have to worry about anything. She knows they're going to do it. Unless she pouts a whole bunch, then they won't do it. See? But she knows it. She's just like a kid. I don't care. She's not worried about whether they're going to eat supper that night or not. Feed, food. Food, praise God. Give me food. That's it. She's not even worried about somebody's going to change her diaper. See? We get in messes and we're so worried about God's never heard that before. Let me tell you, you're not a prize. You're not the one person who's done something worse than everybody else in the world. He's going, oh my God, help me, Jesus. It doesn't work that way, but we see that in our own mind and in our own mentality. But God's got our back. He's got us. He knows what to do. He knows how to do it, praise God. So Jesus basically is telling us here not to worry about anything. Say, I'm not going to worry about anything. My days of worry are over forever. Okay, John chapter 17.
The best way to not get ahead in life is to cut corners and try to get there. Whenever you cut corners in, 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 a, in a property and you want to cut the corner, how many know you're trespassing on someone else's property? So when you cut corners in the spirit, you are trespassing against the kingdom of God, basically. You just wait, praise God. Everything will come. Just got to relax. All right, John chapter 17, look at verse 15. Jesus says, I pray not that thou should take them out of the world, but that thou shalt keep them from the evil. They are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent them into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Now notice, Jesus was sent, we found out, to preach the kingdom of God. That's what he was sent to do. He wants to send us like he sent Jesus, and that would be to do the same thing that Jesus did if we're sent to do the same thing. So he's talking about here, first of all, you're not of heaven. You don't live in heaven. But how many know, even though you don't live in heaven, you still have the protection of heaven because you're a citizen of heaven. So here he's saying, don't take them to heaven with me. Don't do that. He says, basically, keep them from the evil. Say, keep them from the evil. Now notice, he didn't say nothing's ever going to go wrong in your life and evil's not going to come close to you. Because things in this world are going to, there are going to be hardships that comes. There's going to be time when the money gets a little short. There's going to be time where pain hits your body. There's going to be all these things that are done. You know, you read about the early Christians. I mean, some of them got boiled in oil and their families were heads were cut off and all this kind of stuff. No wonder why they were praying, Lord, come quickly. We would be too if we were in that kind of thing. But we're not, praise God. It's a different dispensation right now. But things are going to come against our lives. But we know how to handle those hardships now, basically, and how to handle those circumstances, basically by continuing to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So even though evil's in the world and always going to be in the world, and we're in the world, we can still live above the evil things that are going on in this world. Here he says, Father, keep them from the evil one. So how many know we're going to have battles? There's going to be trials. If anybody tells you that you're going to go through nothing, and if you are going through something because of a lack of faith, no, we're going to find out where your faith is at while you're going through it. See, if you didn't need faith, you wouldn't go through anything. God says you're never going to have a problem. You don't need faith. Why would I give it to you? But yeah, you need faith. Why is that? Because you're going to run into some things. You're going to go through some things. So being in the midst of it does not mean defeat. It means fight. A lot of people say, well, I'm losing. No, you're not losing. Praise God. As long as you stay on the Word of God, you're in a winning situation. doesn't matter what the doc says. doesn't matter what the bank says. doesn't matter what anybody else says. We can walk and stay on the Word and live in victory. So it's possible basically here to brush aside fear and evil in your life, even though it comes against you all the time. And in certain days, in certain areas, we can still walk in victory, which we can keep our peace and we can keep our joy. All right, look at John chapter 18. Look at verse 36. Jesus answered Pilate and said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. What's he saying? He said, I'm not from here. I'm from a different country. I came from heaven. That's what I'm doing here. But I still have the protection of heaven here, even though I'm here. Because if I wanted to, I could call on a legion of angels and send them down here right now from my country and they would certainly wipe you out because I'm from that kingdom there. But now notice, Peter was still living in this world and never understood the other world. So when they came to get Jesus, Peter took out his sword because he thought God needed help and he started cutting off people's ears. See, he was going to stand up. He was going to stand up, praise God. And Jesus says, what are you doing? 
What are you doing, Peter? How many times do you think he said that to Peter? A lot. What are you doing, Peter? I've got this under control. Don't worry about it. I know what's going on. I'm from heaven. I can call spiritual things. I don't have to be cutting off ears. And even when they were going to take him, he healed the guy's ear. See, If they were coming to get me, I'd have tore off his other ear. Come on, let's be honest. Fix his ear. Don't give me the other one, praise God. Maybe they'll all scatter. No, no, it wasn't that way. Because Jesus knew what was coming. He puts the ear back on. He takes care of it. He said, this kingdom is not of this world, praise God. I don't live here. I don't do these things. I could have protection. But this was all part of my thing to reinstate the dominion and the kingdom back to mankind. So this has to take place. But Peter didn't quite see it that way. Hallelujah. All right, go to Luke chapter 10. All right, Luke chapter 10, verse 1. It says, After these things the Lord appointed other seventy also, and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whereof he himself would come. Therefore he said unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Go your ways, behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves, carry neither purse nor scrip nor shoes, and salute no man by the way. And into whatsoever house you enter, first say, Peace be unto this house. And if the Son of Peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again. And in the same house remain eating and drinking such things as they give for the labor is worthy of his hire go not from house to house and into whatsoever city you enter and they receive you eat such things as are set before you heal the sick that are therein and say unto them the kingdom of God has come nigh to you so here we see a transference of the authority that Jesus had into his disciples. He gave them the same thing. They were not born again at this time. They were not baptized in the Holy Ghost. But it was Jesus' authority that he transferred into their lives at this time and gave them the opportunity to do the same things. What was that? To destroy the works of the devil. And how many know they did it? They went around and destroyed the works of the devil. Now, back then, they did not have the Spirit of God on the inside of them. They did not have the Spirit upon them. We are the generation who have the Spirit in us and the Spirit upon us. So we should be able to do more than the disciples did because they had a transference or part of Jesus' anointing. We've got the whole Holy Ghost. Say the whole Holy Ghost. Notice he's not too old to do anything anymore. He's still the same Holy Ghost that's always been there on the inside. And he is here basically for us to operate in the authority that God has given us. And notice he gives you a lot of things there about don't worry about what, what you take along. God will provide whatever you need. He'll take care of everything. The part I don't like is eat whatever they give you. That's a tough one right there, praise God, but we'll get through that and get over it, I'm sure. Glory to God. But notice what he says. You can control your peace even. <laughs> you can control your peace. It says go into the house and release your peace there. And if they don't like you, take it back and leave. So notice, you can affect the atmosphere of a place as a kingdom citizen. When you walk into a room, there should be a change. When you walk into strife, you can feel it. When you walk in where two people have been choking each other, you know it's there. It's already there. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. Let's see. Let's uh, just do one more. Get it over with here. Go to John 14. Do, do, do. 
just amazing when you start studying the kingdom of God, you think you're going to have it figured out like in six months. And the more you study, the more you figure out you don't know anything about it yet. But you're learning more and more each and every day. You're learning through circumstances. You're learning through the word. The spirit of God loves to get involved. If you're really seeking the kingdom of God, boy, he'll, he'll tell you what to do, when to do it, how to do it, how to make the adjustments, how to do things right. All right, John chapter 14, look at verse 16. Jesus said, don't worry, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you when? Forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and he shall be where? In you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you again. So here's Jesus said, the whole point of this whole thing is to bring the kingdom of God. I'm going to have to leave now because when I go, I'm going to send somebody to you who's just like me, who's the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, once again, just like he was in Adam and Eve at one time, is going to come back into mankind now and live on the inside of them with his power, with his wisdom. I'm not going to leave you orphans, but my thing is to bring back the kingdom. In order to bring back the kingdom, you need Holy Ghost, knowledge, wisdom, and power in order order to do it. The Bible says we live in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Nobody wants to operate in the Holy Ghost. They want to do righteousness, peace, and joy because that's for you. But in the Holy Ghost is for others. You're going to operate in the power of God as you stand in righteousness. You're going to stand in the liberty wherewith Christ has set you free. You're going to stand against sickness, disease in your thing. As you study the kingdom of God, you're going to find out that God already promised to remove sickness, disease away from you if you live a righteous lifestyle. He said, I, I, I want you to prosper and be in health even as your so your soul prospers. So what's he talking about? The more you line up with the kingdom of God, the more you see yourself anointed, the more you see yourself a new man, the more you see yourself in peace, the more you see yourself in joy, the more you see yourself powerful, the more you connect with your identity of the kingdom of God, the more you'll be able to operate in the kingdom of God. That is a prosperous soul. A lot of people do not have a prosperous soul. That's why it's very hard to stay out of sickness and disease at this time. Jesus said he sent his word to deliver us, heal and deliver us from all destruction. And the word of God is already here. So what do we do? We get in the word of God. We study the kingdom of God. We find out our benefits. We find out what belongs to us. Then we start to walk in those benefits. And when they start to work for you, you will be happy to share them with other people. I mean, if you hit the lottery, you tell the whole world. Oh, well, if you hit the lottery and you're walking in victory, you want to tell somebody, praise God, if you're really walking in victory. Now, if you're faking it, you don't want to tell anybody. Are you in the kingdom? Yes. How do you like it? Well, no, not very good. But I'd like to bring you in, too, if you don't mind. It's terrible, really. But they, and they'll say, oh, yeah, let me bring me in right now. No, they won't do that. They've got to see a lifestyle of victory and of power. And do we go through stuff? Yes, we do. But bless God, we go through it. We don't stop. We keep right on gone. Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for the kingdom of God. Father, I thank you for further revelation for myself and everyone here about the different things that belong to us, the different things you want to partake in our lives through us. And I thank you, Father, that we would be part of the people who the end time is predicted and who we help it come forth. I thank you for the ability to preach the gospel with power. And I give you praise and glory for everyone here in Jesus' name. And everyone not here, praise God in Jesus' name, amen. the key.